I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome, everybody, to Ideas Digest, the podcast and the practice yes. of listening to ideas that we may disagree with. And rather than running away, unfollowing, hiding in our echo chamber, we go, hmm, that's interesting. What can I learn? Tell me more. Yeah. My name's Conrad. I'm joined by regular co-host Cam. Yes, back again. And today we're doing something a little bit different from our usual uh, setup, and you'll you'll kind of see it as it goes. But I'm going to start with the clickbait. We've got a guest lined up and waiting, but I've got to give him a good intro. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to start with the clickbait. Now, the clickbait I just ripped it straight from the person who wrote the article, and the clickbait title is Donald Trump and Christians. A fatal attraction. Now, mm. I've got to give a backstory to this. So, <laughs> my mom and dad are big readers of a guy called Tim Jennings. And mom came to me one day and dad was like, oh, did you see his latest article? And I was like, no. And they looked a little bit kind of concerned. And I was like, oh, what's it about? Um, now, Tim Jennings, if you're not familiar, he's an American psychopharmacologist who's a prolific Adventist author. He's rewritten the New Testament. He's very into like theolo theology. He's probably known best for his... Um, his penal substitutionary atonement alternatives. Um, bit controversial probably in the, in the Adventist world. We can talk about that later uh, sometime as well. And I've had him on the show. He was, he was the first person yeah. I ever interviewed yeah. on this show. He was in yeah. Australia. I hit him up. I said, hey, have you got half an hour? Let's chat. And we spoke to him. He has a different view on the Bible and homosexuality. Yeah. And that's a good episode. You can go check it out. So anyway, back to my story. <laughs> Mom showed me this Spectrum article, the Adventist Church magazine Spectrum, and it was titled, Trump and Christians, What's the Attraction? So as Australians, Cam, you would yeah, know, yeah. We, we don't get very pro-Trump. You no. won't find any MAGA hats in Australia, yeah. not just because it's not our country, yeah, it's not, not our Not because it's not America. <laughs> but the most we will get to a pro-Trumper, the closest we'll get to a pro-Trumper is I just call a Trump sympathizer. Yeah, right. So yeah. they're never going to be like, oh, no, Donald Trump's a legend. They can, we Australians kind of generally yeah. think he's a bit of an idiot. Yeah, like, yeah. On the Makes average finger on the pulse. Yeah, yeah we're like, yeah. oh, he's, he's, he's speaking crap and we kind of can see it. But yeah. there are people who go, yeah, I can see all that. Oh, but he's doing good things for the economy, isn't yeah. he? Oh, he's doing yeah. some, I think the media's giving him a hard time. And so that's the closest we can get to a Trump sympathizer. So that's the yeah. context. And so... Anyway, back to my long preamble story, which is why this is a little bit different. It's a long intro to intro our guest, but I, backstory's, backstory's it's really crucial. Great. It's crucial um, for this. It was an article that basically, I'm going to give you the gist that I got when I read it. Yeah. And it was generally, I'm not too concerned with a Trump presidency as an Adventist Christian because I will have more religious freedoms and more constitutional freedoms under Donald Trump than any Democrat. That was the right. general consensus to distill an article. Go check it out. It's on the spectrum. You can read it for yourself. Yeah. That's what I thought. If Jennings wants to come on and correct anything, that's just my assumption. That's what you picked up, yeah. Um, and then as I was reading, I was like, wow, this is really interesting. I didn't expect this stance from the guy I interviewed. So I was yeah. like, oh, this is interesting. I'm like, oh, I've got to try getting him back on the show. And as I was reading... Down the bottom, 
Now, mad props to Spectrum. Down the bottom, it has a response article. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And the response article was the title of this show. We, we ripped it from that. <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump and conservative Christians, a fatal attraction. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Spectrum really like showing both uh, perspectives. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like kind of appreciate that and respect yeah. that. So, well, uh, points where points are due. Yep. Three points to Spectrum magazine yeah. as we're giving out points on the show now. <laughs> um, so, as this long, long, long intro has winds to a close... Tim Jennings, we reached out to him. The door is always open. He seems like a very busy man. I'm sure he's not one of those people that puts an opinion out there and doesn't want to engage with it. Yeah. But mad thanks and props to the author of the second article, Jason. Or ha- how do you prefer to be introduced, Jason? Is, is it a professor, a doctor, or what's the... Um, Jason is sufficient. Uh, I, I am, <laughs> um, I am both. Of, I am both of those other things you mentioned. <laughs> well, we'll lead with that. Yeah. Professor Doctor Jason Nitz. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm going that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, I'm a professor at Advent Health University in Orlando, Florida. Um, I, I am essentially a lifelong Adventist, and I did, and I did get a doctorate back in 2014. So, I mean, I'm all those other things. No small fate. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm all those. I'm all those things that you mentioned. But Jason, but Jason is sufficient for for our conversation. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we appreciate your humility yeah, with yeah, our yeah. lack of PhD <laughs> yeah, yeah. on this side. Lack of, the of conversation. PhD over here. I've got a master's, but I don't brag about it. Oh wait, yes, I do. <laughs> so anyway. Massive thanks to Jason. Yeah. I emailed, I was like, who is this guy? And I, I Googled, I researched and went, oh, sent an email and pretty quickly he's like, yeah, I'd love to, love to talk. And we, and we caught up. And so yeah. I respect that Jason's like give, being generous of his time and, and speaking to us about this yeah. because the ultimate goal and the goal is pending people's willingness and uh, participation. Yeah. But the yeah. ultimate goal is to go, okay, Trump and Christians, there's yeah. something happening there. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. Christian Trump pro-Trump is out there. Yeah. Me as an Australian, I don't fully understand it. Yeah. Um, and then to see Tim Jennings kind of say, I'm cool with it. To support it, yeah. Oh, oh, I really want to understand that. Yeah. Um, and so, but also there's another side, which Jason has thankfully come on. So ultimately, I'd like to have both sides. Yeah. But in the meantime of Tim Jennings say he's not not down to chat, yeah. we're happy to have Jason and have at least one side represented. Yeah. We'd love the other side. So if anyone's got any hookups, you can... Yeah. Send a message to Tim Jennings and say, "Hey, mate, time to have your say. Yeah. Time to time to kind of chat." And, and truth um, be told, and let me say this: I, you know, I have never met Tim Jennings. Uh, let me let me talk about what we're doing, sort of from my perspective, while we're hopefully pulling all this together. It. I've never met Tim Jennings. I didn't. I had never heard of Tim Jennings until the the Trump piece that you guys were mentioning, which is sort of the center of what we're talking about uh, uh, right yes. now. And yeah. so, the starting point. And so I had never met him. Um, I still haven't met him. It, it, I would love to, you know, if you guys get him on to talk about this, uh, I certainly would would love to come back. Like I, I though, of course, uh, I don't know if he would want to be up at 11 p.m. Uh, I think he's on the East Coast. <laughs> he's, on, he's on the East Coast of America as well. But um, I, uh, I would love to come back and, and have have sort of a fully fleshed out conversation with him as opposed to sort of dueling yeah. pieces on a, on a, on a blog. Um, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for the engagement too. And, and similarly to, as you guys said before, I, 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 I like to say, you know, I put my name at the bottom of everything that I write. Like I'm not, 
afraid of awesome. what I've said. I'm not yeah. afraid to to yeah. to go somewhere and and talk about what I've said and be challenged and be criticized. I think um, that's that's yeah. how we grow. That's how we get better. Um, and yeah. and so you know. I, I'd be willing to obviously come back and talk with you guys if you guys ever get him, so that we can actually all kind of um, yeah. uh, uh, have a have a have a conversation about it. Awesome. We and and that's what we appreciate. So that's the spirit of the show. We, yeah. we are, and so as we're going into like, there are two perspectives on this: pro Trump, anti Trump, as Christians. Yeah. At the at the very top, this is not a debate. I'm not here yeah. to say, oh, who's right and who's yeah. wrong. The idea is, and to you have, have a doctorate, so you have knowledge. But we're that's not really what we're exactly. In. We're not here to try and prove a case. Yeah. We're here to go. One person thinks one way. Why is that? Yeah. Another person thinks the other way. Why is that? So we appreciate that you're, you're really on board in the spirit of, of what we're trying to do at Ideas Digest, which is engage challenging ideas and understand the people behind them. Yeah. So thanks so much for, for really getting on board with that. Yeah. No problem. No problem at all. Okay. Jason has a different perspective to Tim. We've invited both to come on the show. Yeah. Jason has been super generous and super open and super yeah. willing to discuss an idea. Yeah. I'm sure Tim is as well, but as yet, my experience with it, no, no, no dice. Haven't heard anything yet. <laughs> haven't heard back. So we're going ahead with it. We'd love to represent the side of a Christian who thinks Donald Trump is good for what uh, Jenny's outlined, which yeah. was freedoms for Christians and constitutional yep. freedoms, which Americans seem very obsessed with the Constitution. Yeah, they really like uh, that. Yeah. Do we even have one? Yeah, <laughs> we do. It's I think pretty we do. weak. <laughs> we just don't hammer it on our wall. Eh? Yeah, that's right. And we right. don't know yeah. our amendments. Yeah, no, oh, the no. fifth one's the best one. No, no, yeah. it's the third. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. that's, all, that's all my uh, American jokes I've got in me. <laughs> so let's get back to this clickbait, which is Donald Trump and Christians, a fatal attraction. Yeah. Now... With all the nuance and time that you'd like to take, Jason, walk us through what that means. What yeah. do you mean what when you're you saying... What did you understand from Jennings' article and then what are you responding to? Yeah, what, what is a fatal attraction about that? What's bad about Christians supporting Donald Trump? Yeah, so uh, I get what um, you guys get from Jennings' piece as well. Uh, he sort of okay. very he very nicely sort of lays it out in his final paragraph, and I sort of open my own piece, sort of just quoting his entire final paragraph because I do think that's sort of the thesis of his work is that um, he is concerned about religious persecution uh, coming from what we would call the left or from liberals. Um, right. He he at least is nice enough to 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 lend credence to the possibility that it could also be coming from the right or from conservatives. Right. Uh, but he doesn't right. think, he doesn't think that that's what would happen. Um, yes. And, and then he says, well, because he thinks that it's coming from the left, he actually sees the presidency of Donald Trump as sort of holding the space open for Christian religious expression that is going to help them to help people like Jennings share the gospel. Uh, yes, that yeah, that's a good summary. Well, and if Tim is listening and he's like, "No, nah, man, you've completely missed it." Yeah. Come on the show. I'm yeah. happy to correct any assumptions <laughs> yeah. we've yeah. ever made. But that's what I got. That's what Jason got. Yeah. So, and and my my response to that, uh, I had you know people can go read read the longer pieces because I I deal with a bunch of other things that he talked about. But at least in terms yeah. of that particular part of his argument. Uh, my response to that is actually, no, I actually think uh, that Donald Trump makes the Christian witness harder. 
Uh, and, and, and the reason why he makes it harder is because there are so many things about him that are sort of obviously non-Christian. Uh, and, and right. so, uh, as a person, he doesn't seem to stand for those Christian right. values and, of and loving the outsider, including the poor and the immigrant. But not even that, even if you didn't, even if, because there are differing, you know, opinions about what that should mean. But even the things right. that conservatives who support him once sort of championed as the ways that a president should be. So the easiest example is this, uh, you know, it's now to 2020. So I would say maybe about 25 years ago, uh, Bill Clinton was an unfit president because he had engaged in an affair and tried to cover it and tried to cover it up. Uh, Donald Trump engaged in an affair and tried to cover it up, and yet he was fit for the office. How how do we how do we put those two things together? Um, Donald Trump, by almost any standard, is an unrepentant and inveterate liar. He is you know there, there's there's no way that you can sit here and it's amazing to me that Christians make this argument. Uh, there's no way you can sit here and make the argument that Donald Trump is a fundamentally honest human being. Uh, that that's just not accurate. Uh, and yet, the fact that he is a that he is a liar does not, you know, sort of pierce the the veil of Christian support for him, um, at least conservatively, uh, because obviously. Well, Jennings know, seems to almost deal with that when he's talking about, and I think the quote is. It's something to the effect of you need to take him seriously, not literally. That's kind of what he's saying. He's saying ignore what he's saying, right? But he is going to be better for my freedoms, right? And and that's something that I sort of address on a couple of different levels. Uh, number one, it's it's very weird for you as a Christian to say, "Hey, we believe in a God that wants you to be honest," but. This person who is our champion is not honest. Don't pay attention to him and the fact that he's dishonest, but follow this God that we want you to follow who is calling you to be honest. Uh, that, that's just sort of a weird argument to make. I, I sort of say in my Bit piece, of a double standard. Yeah, I sort of say in the piece at one point, um, yeah, okay, if you're going to make the argument that Donald Trump is leaving the space open for you to share the gospel, that means you're then asking people to follow a particular way of thinking and then follow a man who doesn't support that way of thinking. And right, that, right. that's just weird <laughs> to, to, to ask for yeah, that. Right. The, the second thing, as, as we sort of deal with this question of rhetoric um, and, how, and how Donald Trump talks, because that's something that I deal with a lot in the piece, um, is to sit here and then make the argument uh, that words don't matter is weird when you just spent 1500 words defending Donald Trump. So, (laughs) you know, we're all in the business as, as writers, we're all in the business of thinking that words matter. It's just, it's, it's problematic to spend a bunch of time writing saying, Oh, but what you say doesn't matter. Um, And then of course the, the problematic part. And, and I spent a lot of time in this piece or within myself addressing this piece trying to make sure that I was not personal in this. You know, my, my, my goal is to, to address the idea, 
to, to uh, for lack of a better term, attack the idea, not to attack the person who's um, who's expressing yeah. the idea. Yep. But there's one, yep. I made one exception in, in the piece, and it was at this point of rhetoric to make the argument that Tim Jennings, in and of himself, is a person who has nothing to fear from Donald Trump's rhetoric. Right. So unpack that for me. What do you yeah. mean? Tim Jennings is a, you know, middle-aged white Christian man in America. Right. Donald Trump isn't saying anything about Tim Jennings that could possibly be problematic. He's not saying, yeah, he he's not, he is no, he is made no more afraid by Donald Trump's rhetoric in total. Because Donald Trump is, but because Donald Trump is never, he's never saying anything about white Christian men. He's talking really bad about Mexicans. He's talking really bad about poor people. He's talking really bad about people of color in general. And and so I was double-sided about it in the sense that the one exception that I made, and I put it in a footnote, I didn't put it in the piece I, because it wasn't something that I wanted to really highlight, but I thought it was important to say, was Tim Jennings is a person who has no reason to be afraid of Donald Trump's rhetoric. So of course it's easier for him to dismiss it. I am someone- yeah. and, it's, and it's sort of like as a white male, he probably doesn't really have anything to be afraid of with either side of politics, like either way, he's probably going to be in a position. I, that's that's probably a fair thing to say. But then, but then I turn that back yeah. on myself and, and I say, look, I am a person who has reason to fear Donald Trump's rhetoric because yeah. of who I Why am. Why is that? Ex because of who I am. Tell me, as talk a, to me about that. Sure. As, as a, as a person of color in America, as a black man in America, so much of the vitriol uh, that comes from Donald Trump is vitriol that is sometimes tinged with racism and sometimes just outwardly racist. Um, mm. So so that sort of idea, which by the way, tons of conservatives would, would disagree with me about that. I get into fights with uh, conservatives in, in social media all the time about this question. Um, <laughs> it's good times, it's called the internet, well. <laughs> um, but as, as a black person living in America, and understanding the history of racism in this country, so much of what he says is aligned with that. So many people who are his supporters are people who believe in those types of ideas, and they hear mm. the things in his speech that line up with what they agree with and believe in about people like me. And, and so, of course, I'm, I'm going to be more afraid of his rhetoric than a middle-aged Christian white man. Uh, okay, so you're kind of you're you're identifying a couple of things there. So you're saying when he says ignore the rhetoric because look at his actions or policies or something. You're saying if you're someone like Tim Jennings who say middle class, middle to middle upper white American male, he can it 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 is meaningless to him. But you're saying to you as a black person in America and to your family and, to your family and your community, this rhetoric does mean something it can't be ignored and you you experience the effects of this rhetoric that he has then gone it's meaningless and it sounds like you're saying for me it isn't meaningless because yeah. there are consequences to it. it it can't be meaningless when you see that with the introduction of his rhetoric you see an increase in violent hate crimes like you you can't right. you, you you can't look at that and go you can't 
look at court cases where criminal defendants actually say, I was inspired by Donald Trump's words to commit this crime against this minority, this person of color, this uh, member of the LGBT community, this immigrant, because of the words that I heard Donald Trump say. You, you can't mm-hmm. you can't ignore like people are walking into court and making this argument. It, it's not just, you know, it, it's not just amorphous. Oh, because someone could argue, oh, well, increase in hate crime. How do we know that that's attributed to him? Because the people who are committing these hate crimes are actually walking into court and saying, I'm doing it because of what he said. Um, and I linked. Well, that. they might say they might say they were going to do it anyway. They just latched onto that. So whether he was there or not, they might say. It was going to happen anyway. That might be the the response they, to that. I don't know. They, that they certainly be. might say that, and 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 they may even be correct about that. But number one, they don't know that they're speculating, and number two, it happened the way it happened. So my argument then is, well, Donald Trump, don't give them a reason. Like if you you know mm-hmm. maybe they'll do it anyway, but don't let you be the reason. And the fact that right. and the fact that he has heard this criticism before because people have asked him about it. And the rhetoric has not changed. Let's me know that he is at some level okay with that being the outcome of his speech. Because if I said to you, and we're aren't we far afield from where we're going? But anyway, um, uh, that's, that's fine. But but because if I if, if I said to you, hey, you know, the words that you say are causing you know random people to be attacked. Any reasonable, empathetic, sympathetic human being would say you know what, even though I can say whatever I want, if the outcome of what I'm saying is that a bunch of people are going to be harmed, I might at least think about changing what I say. Or even just being quiet. (laughs) if If you say to somebody, you need to stop saying that, this is where the whole dialogue comes from. It actually links perfectly to kind of what we're talking about. They say... Don't stop my freedom of speech yeah. and my religious freedom. Yeah. That I, I guess that's so. If you said, "Hey, there are people over there that are hurting because of the words you said," yeah. I could either do what you've just outlined and go, "You know what? Maybe I back off a bit. I yeah. can, but I'm not going to." Or what seems to be happening for some groups of people is saying, "Don't crush my freedom of speech, and I have freedom of religion. I have the right. Don't to tell say me what this. to do." Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, that is sort of what's happening. Um, I don't know that we would, it it is very akin to the argument that you can make about religious freedom, but it is certainly the argument that they're making about speech. And they're sort of saying, well, I have the ability to say what I want without, uh, without government repercussion. Um, one of, as a lawyer, one of my biggest pet peeves is that people think, uh, uh, freedom of speech means that I can say what I want without any consequence at all. Which is which is wrong, um, but 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 I certainly have the ability to say whatever I want to say and not be arrested for it. So to those people who would say my freedom of speech is under attack, because I mean we hear it in Australia too. Yeah. We we say freedom of speech is under attack, but it's way more uh, prolific in America because it's a much more hey you've still got well, the blood of revolution in your yeah. Yeah. In, in your veins there. And so when people say it my freedom of speech is under attack and it might be conservative Christians saying this. It sounds like you're saying it isn't. For freedom of speech, I would say it isn't. Uh, because, and, that's it isn't. Because, and that's because of a misunderstanding of what people think the freedom of speech is. 
Uh, So give us a nice definition of that so we can get that, what you're saying. Sure. The freedom of speech means uh, you have the freedom to say what you want and the government cannot arrest you for it. Right. Legal. Very, the law, the the government will not arrest you for saying something racist. Right. Or something bigoted. Right. Um, And we know that's true because people say racist, bigoted things every day and don't get arrested. Um, yes, right. yes, we do know that's true. <laughs> and, and so, Donald Trump being a prime example. Does he get arrested himself? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so, so you have that freedom of speech. What is also the freedom of speech is my freedom to say that what you just said was bigoted, was racist, was okay. whatever. That's mm-hmm. part of the freedom of speech as well. And my freedom of speech is also the ability to say, you know what, people shouldn't buy your product. Because what you say is racist. And you know what? If people decide not to buy your product, your freedom of speech is still intact because you can still say whatever you want. How we respond to it, how your employer responds to it is a totally different story. The freedom of speech is only about what the government can do to you, not what other people in the society can do to you. So if you're so if you're the Duck Dynasty guys, this happened a few years ago. If you're the Duck Dynasty guys, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Duck Dynasty guys. There's a uh, vaguely there, vaguely there was a reality show uh, here in America called Duck Dynasty. A bunch of uh, Southern white people. Uh, I didn't watch the show too much, whatever. But anyway, so if you're the Duck Dynasty guys <laughs> and you have a show and you go on an interview and you say something racist. And then the production company that produces your show says, we don't want to do your show anymore. Right. Your freedom right. your freedom of speech has not been harmed. Yes, yeah. Because like, they've been free to do it, but it, it, it's the, the producers are saying, well, we, we just don't want to be a part of what yours. The producers are saying, hey, if you're a racist, we don't want to do your show. That has nothing to do with yeah. it. Would you say that's even a response of the free market? It's saying we as producers produce a show. We have X amount of people that want to watch it. We have people who don't like racism. And if we keep you on, we'll lose viewers. So the free market and very American (laughs) market-based approach is in fact the one that says, sorry, Duck Dynasty, you're off because the free market has decided that it hurts us to keep you on. Yeah. And, and And when that tipping point happens, because sometimes what happens is, a racist person says something racist and they have a show or they have a column or they have something that their livelihood depends on. And that thing continues because the the groundswell never gets to a tipping point where the company says, where the people who back them say, hey, we need to take you off the air. So, so for example, Fox News hosts say racist things all the time and are under threat of boycott all the time. And they take two weeks, they go on vacation, they come back, they continue the show. Why? Because their audience doesn't care about racism. <laughs> so so they're going to continue to watch. The market that they're actually going for actually it's kind okay. of supports. It's okay with that. Yeah. Or at least- well, because it's not against them, right? Like they probably can't even see it. Yeah, yeah. If that's, if that's kind of what, in part of what I'm untangling with what you're saying is that um, someone like with Tim Jennings, with what he's written, you're almost saying that these, these stuff might be invisible to him, purely because of where he sits in society. In society, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Now, I would say in an abstract sense, 
the same argument can't be made for religious freedom. Okay. And, and the reason why is because as we sort of get an expansive notion of what rights people should enjoy, uh, we are going from a space where your religious expression or your religious freedom did allow you to do something, and now we're telling you that it doesn't. And, and so I, I sympathize is probably too strong a word, but I understand the logic of some conservative evangelicals who say, my religious freedom is being attacked. Um, I would say yes, and I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, let's let's just stereotype a pro-Trumper that says, I have more freedom, I have more freedom of speech, and I have more constitutional freedoms and I, because I have more religious freedoms, because I can spread the gospel or whatever. Um, under Donald Trump, I have more of these. You're saying, well, no, freedom of speech is is only determined by the government. Yeah, it doesn't it's not you not just, even a part of the conversation. The market is why you're being it's, yeah. it's it's public opinion that's taking your freedom of speech so to so to speak. It's yeah. more just shaming you out of a certain behavior. Yeah. But now you're saying okay, but with freedom of religion, you're saying yes, your freedom of religion is actually under attack, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. Is that what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird for me to say it like that because I consider myself, a, <laughs> I, I actually consider myself a defender of religious freedom and religious liberty. Um, but yeah. I really like that distinction that you're making just there when you're saying, um, it's okay that your religious freedoms are under attack, but I think of myself as a defender of religious yeah. freedom. So yeah. this is disentangling some labels of people might be like, oh, you're just trying to take everyone's freedom and oppress everybody and become yeah. a communist nation. Really, all I'm talking about is sort of the same types of limits that we have on free speech are limits that we should also have on religious, on religious freedom and religious expression. So the archetypal statement about the freedom of speech is that you have the freedom of speech, but you don't have the freedom to yell fire in a crowded theater. Like if you if you yell yes. fire in a crowded theater, you will be arrested for something you said. <laughs> it, right. it, you know, so yeah. so there are limits to your speech. I feel like, but we don't say you don't have freedom of speech. You do, but you have freedom of speech within certain limits that aid the society mm. in helping us all be together and get along as a unified group. More like societal boundaries as opposed to like government structures and right stuff. and so i feel like there have to be societal boundaries for religious freedom as well so let me give you let me give you an example that we're all okay with and then the example that people are upset about right now okay we have settled the question of race as it comes to religious freedom so if i walk into a store or a hotel or anywhere as, as a black man and say, I want to pay you for your service. They can't say to me, the owner can't say to me, my religious beliefs state that I should not serve black people. And because of that, you have to get out of my store. Right. Right. Like we have settled that question. That's, that's a good thing. Yeah. That's like, good. <laughs> le- like the government has a law that says, that's discrimination and yeah. it is illegal. Right. I yeah. think we got the same law. <laughs> <laughs> and and we've settled and we've settled that question. Now, everyone's years, cool with that. Yeah, yeah. 50 years ago that was not settled. Uh you know, there were white southern Christians 
who were very upset because their religious freedom was being taken from them to have their own schools without black people in them. So we have our Christian, we have our Christian school. It is a white Christian school. Our religion tells us that black people should not be in this school. Um, and the government said, no, you gotta let black people in. And and the only and the only reason why there are black people at Liberty University now is because they lost that fight. Um, right. right. So now move move ahead to what three? And everyone's cool with that. And, well, no one's debating that. No conservative Christians. That's on the general on the whole. They're like, if no one's like up in arms, being like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't deny a black person service. Everyone's like, well, you shouldn't be doing that. It, right. The we, general consensus of the public is like that. Yeah. The, the general consensus of the public is that is that uh, is that we have settled that question. Now, uh, a, a fascinating thought experiment to go through is if we took away anti discrimination law tomorrow. How many black people would get kicked out of Liberty University? Like the 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 you know right. are, are they are how much is still left? Is, is the is the question settled because people really believe that, or is the question settled because the law says it's illegal, so we're not fighting it? Um, yeah, yeah, hard to tell. But, yeah. but, but, any, but anyway, now fast forward yes. to two thousand and well, two thousand and twenty. This is still somewhat of an unsettled question. If you're a gay couple and you walk into a bakery and you say, I would like a wedding cake for our wedding. Mm -hmm. At least right now, it is an unsettled question about whether the owner of that bakery can say to you, I'm a Christian. I don't believe in gay weddings. I will not do this service for you now. Yeah. And they can't do that on the issue of race. If me as a black person mm. walk in, or if I walk in with a white woman, um, my wife would be upset with that. But that's a <laughs> <laughs> if, <laughs> who is this girl? <laughs> let's let's jump into a different timeline. If I walk in, single guy about to get married to a white woman, yeah, walk into a bakery and say, "You, I would like you guys to make a cake for my wedding." The owner can't say to me, "I don't believe that black people." should marry white people. My religion tells me that they shouldn't. Therefore, I won't make you this cake. There is no bakery that would survive a lawsuit if that happened because we've settled the question of race. Yeah. Legally. Yeah. We've settled we it not, legally. There's we, like a law on we that. Have not, we have not settled the question of sexual orientation. Okay. Right. So, so a gay couple can walk in and be refused. Uh, because because the person says I don't believe in same sex couples. I'm a conservative, committed Christian. You know the 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 uh, the what is the silly saying? I believe in Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And so you guys, I'm not making a cake for you. Get out of my store. That that happened, and there was an actual case. And technically, the bakery won that case. Now the court did not settle. The question that I just presented, whether their religious beliefs were actually, whether that was okay based on their religious beliefs, they settled it on a technicality. But, um, but it is, so it is still an open question about whether uh, people who have conservative Christian beliefs about same-sex uh, couples can discriminate in terms of how they um, provide services to the general public. Like that is, so, and, and once again, now to bring it back to the point, 
we're saying that is a that is an element of religious freedom. Let's say the bakery loses. Let's say the bakery loses that case, and they say no, you have to make a cake for that same sex couple. The baker would absolutely be right in saying my religious freedom has just been curtailed. Three years ago, I could kick those people out of my store. Today, I cannot. But, but what I would say is that is an acceptable boundary of religious freedom, of religious expression. Just because like society you is is improved by that inclusion as opposed to held back. Right, and and it is a religion. It is an it is a freedom that I enjoy as a black person. I enjoy that freedom. I get to walk into the bakery and be served. So why shouldn't this gay couple be able to walk into the bakery and be served? Like th- those are those are those freedoms that I enjoy. I believe are freedoms that everyone should enjoy, and we shouldn't and we shouldn't be curtailing freedoms just because that couple is 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 gay. So you're saying that this in this scenario and and perhaps under a Trump presidency. People might enjoy, it might be true that Trump's going to stack the high court with conservative judges that might result already, in... Already has. And it's already yeah, done, yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and that might result in uh, the, if, the, if another court case of bakery goes on and it goes to the high court, then that high court can say, no, no, discriminating against gay people and getting married is an allowable thing to do under religious freedom. You're saying, I'm okay with taking that freedom from you i'm okay taking that religious freedom because you probably should never have had it in the first place because it squashes someone else's freedoms there have to be reasonable limits and by the way there are obviously there are reasonable limits to religious freedom now right so for example uh, the question of race that I brought up, that's a, that is what we have deemed as a reasonable limit. But even yeah. if we just go out to the really outer reaches, um, uh, an example that a, that, a, uh, that a friend of mine used to always like to say is if you stand up in church one weekend and say, I believe that I've been called by God to every week reenact the sacrifice of Isaac from Genesis and you, grab, right. and you grab a 14 year old boy. And yeah. you lay him down on a table. Time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you tie him up and you lay him down on the table and you say, God will stop my hand. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, what could go regardless, wrong? <laughs> re- regardless of whether God actually does stop your hand, yeah. you will be liable for at least attempted yeah. murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If he stops yeah. your hand, attempted murder. Yeah. If he doesn't, yeah. murder. Yeah. Yeah. Murder. And, none, and nobody, no one would say, you know what? That pastor has a religious freedom case. He should be able to kill that boy. Like no, like yeah. no. Yeah. Your, your yeah. religious freedom yeah. your religious freedom is not absolute. Yeah, so here's a question for you. So like we understand the idea of honor killings in some cultures where you know uh, uh, the daughter for example gets raped by somebody and then they've brought shame on the family so it's on the family the males in the family's responsibility to kill the female which is like hectic, hectic. but you're saying that in america that's not a law 
Like, that's a religious thing that they have to say that they're allowed to do that. But you're saying... It's illegal. It's it doesn't illegal. matter. Like, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter yeah. what their, their religious because killing people Because killing people, we believe that keeping people alive is more important than your religious freedom. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And so, so it's sort of like so, you're just drawing out a, a, a disparity there where you're saying, like, well, we, we have some limits on religion right. and we're okay with those some limits. But then when, like we white people feel like we're being attacked all of a sudden it's like hands off it's 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 bad or or us or us as or us as um as heterosexuals feel like we're being attacked or you know whatever whatever you know axis we're working on where our privilege is bumping up against somebody's oppression right like so Oh, you yeah. know, That's privilege good. against oppression. <laughs> so, That's yeah. an interesting dichotomy. You should tweet that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, 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 I'll admit, like, as I said that, I went, oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can do points. Two points to yeah, you. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, whenever we're, whenever we're in a space where, um, where some privilege that we hold, some freedom that we hold, bumps up against somebody else's oppression, we then have to ask ourselves a question. Does our freedom, does our privilege, um, should it survive here? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, should it survive here? And and the argument that I'm making is vis-a-vis same-sex couples and services in society, the answer should be no, just like it was no for Black people, just like it was no for um, religious minorities, like religious minorities are protected under the same law that protects me. Like as a Muslim, you can't walk into that bakery yeah. and have the person kick you out saying, yeah, I don't yeah. make cakes from Muslim events. Like yeah. you, you, you can't, you can't do that either. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and so the, the, the question is, what do we do when we come up against the place where we either need to expand freedom for an oppressed group or, um, substantiate the privilege or the freedom that already exists for another group. Right. And what I've, what I've realized, and I've come to realize this, I don't know that I always felt this way. Um, or at least I hadn't thought about the question, mm. uh, is I am always on the side of the oppressed. Yeah. Like in that, in that question, my leap, my bias is towards freedom for the oppressed. Right. So yeah. I'm going to look at the question and say, who is the oppressed group here? Yeah. Okay. Is the oppressed group the Christian baker or yeah. the same sex couple? Now, I don't, I don't know that that's always true. There might be an exception to that. I don't know. But yeah. but my bias, but, but the bias I'm going to have to overcome is a bias towards freedom for the oppressed group. The, you're for the expansion of freedoms for everybody. And you're saying that some of the expansion of the freedoms, take the example of the same-sex couple, to expand their freedoms, you're going to take a privilege from a group that probably shouldn't have that privilege because that privilege is encroaching on someone's freedom. What's the criteria by which you measure who is oppressed and who isn't oppressed? So if someone's watching going, yeah, but like, okay, here's here's an example that I, I came across. I was on a boat. Uh, story time with Conrad listening <laughs> in. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, and I was, on a, I was on a boat in Turkey and there was this uh, 70-ish year old uh, South African man. Now my personal experience with some older South Africans a little bit racist, you know, <laughs> and um, and he he was lamenting that his son couldn't get on the soccer team because. 
they had an affirmative action quota that had to have underprivileged right. or black kids onto the yeah, onto okay. the team. And so he's saying my son is better, and he's been rejected from that. And so from his mind, he'd be to saying fill a quota. to fill a quota. So yeah. he's saying my son is being oppressed. How, and so how how do you measure who's more oppressed? Is it yeah. the underprivileged uh, black? kid that wants to join the soccer team that hasn't had the same opportunity or is it the 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 other kid that didn't get on even though his merit might be a more skillful player or something what's by the criteria some, some metric anyway. by some metric exactly <laughs> yeah well yeah that was uh, the, that's uh, instantly the first place that i went was like wait do we actually know that your kid is better like wh- why well exactly well, yeah. exactly let's take but, that but, assumption let's just yeah. pretend that that is that is the case <laughs> Yeah, so obviously, I, I think, yeah, taking that assumption, um, the the criteria for me is going to be contextual and the, and and somewhat historical. Okay. Right. So, yeah. so to to and then with the realization that yeah, some some individual is going to be harmed by by <laughs> by this. By these choices, right? Um, because because at some point at some point we are sort of dealing with a zero sum game here. If I if I if I give something to someone else, it means I have to take something from you. And 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 the question is, are we justified in that taking? That that's the issue. So so to get back to 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 jump off of uh, 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 the story time example. To, to back to this baker, um, let us look at the history of Christians in America and the history of gay people in America, and let's see which one of these two groups is the oppressed group. Okay, right. history. You're, like, you're going to look at the 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 trend over time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and of course, the answer would be different if we say lived in Egypt, right? Okay. Like, I mean, you know, we, you know. Christians are legitimately oppressed in in countries around the yes, world. Yes. Let me not let me not let me not cast aspersions on Egypt. I don't know if Egypt is particularly oppressive to Christians, <laughs> yeah. but but in, in in countries around the world, there there are some there are some nations that are oppressive to Christians, mm-hmm. and in those places, then I would say yes. absolutely as a Christian, you should you should be getting yes. you should be getting uh, uh, an expansion of rights. Yes. It is about and by the way, I could even see. You know, a hundred years from now, two hundred years from now, if the balance has flipped enough, we could then make the argument the other way. Right. Like if if Christianity somehow lost pride of place in America, yeah, um, such that it was a small insular faith that was being set upon by you know. Uh, the the massive army of of the LGBTQ community that had had twenty presidents in a row and had changed everything. Yeah. You know, basically, if what if what conservative Christians say is happening now actually happened in the future, <laughs> yes, because because it sounds like what you're describing is the story that I've heard. Yeah. When they describe it, they use words, they'll say the LGBT agenda, yeah, the agenda yeah. they're pushing, right. yeah. uh, Christian schools are oppressed, Christian things. So it, the scenario you're giving, minus the hard evidence of multiple gay presidents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, and, and it is this perse- persecution complex that I think conservative evangelical Christians in this country and 
in certain places around the world, once again, you can't say everywhere, um, they sort of create this persecution complex that wow. it doesn't actually exist. America Oof. is a nation that is that favors Christianity yeah. uh, wow. in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, Christianity in very sort of low-key forms is inculcated into the very nature of America. Mm-hmm. We sort of talk about um, what we call a civil religion that is very Christian. Yeah. Um, uh, so, for example, you know, imagine if you tried to say in America, you know, we're going to change the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. And instead of saying under God, we'll say under Allah. Like you, yeah. you can't do no, that. A lot of guys here, with right? a lot of guns that wouldn't like that. <laughs> right. That would be a super big problem here. And yeah. it's just a, and it, even though from a theological perspective, God and Allah are the same thing. Right. Like, yeah. are the same being. We're just yeah. addressing them by two different names. Yeah. It's like saying that Jason and Jay are not the same person because somebody calls me by a nickname. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so the the history of Christianity and America are sort of bound up with each other uh, in ways that are very hard to sort of untangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there is a Christian privilege in America that, by the way, I enjoy because I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, and and so the the so now when we're trying to figure out who's the who's the privileged and who's the oppressed, who's the person who has the advantage and who does not. We've got to look at certainly current context, but we've also got to look at the history of these two groups in society. Where do these groups find themselves now? And where do these group and where have these groups found themselves in the history of our society? Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody could sit here and reasonably say that vis-a-vis a Christian and a gay person, you know who's the group that's really oppressed here? The yeah. Christians. Like, yeah. no, that 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 doesn't happen. Um okay. You know, you can't be fired for being Christian here. You can be fired here for being gay. Well, they would. They would. I've I've watched enough of that side of the discussion to say, and I'd love to have someone on to say this, but they would say that people have been fired for not being for gay marriage, and um, that I've I've yeah I've heard a lot. So they would say that that is happening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I. is you would that disagree. really? Uh, yeah, I would disagree because, well, and we'd have to get into the weeds. Uh, you know, um, I was an attorney in my former life, uh, and and we always talk about the fact that facts make cases. Right. And a, a lot of times, a case looks really problematic in terms of the headline, but then when you start reading the details, you go, "Oh no, that's something that should have a- absolutely happened." Because it's not just so, for example, in, in the, 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 the abstract example you just brought up in a case like that, scratch the surface and you'll find it's not just I believed that same sex marriage right. is a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're saying like, I'm like, open to it, but you'll have to show me the case and I'll see if that's actually true. An individual case by case. Case thing. by case. Yeah. You'd say there's, yeah, there because, could be something because, else. Yeah, and and there legitimately could be something there if it really was just, I believed it. Uh, they found out I believed it. They fired me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd be, be willing okay to hear that. that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm willing. I'm willing to hear that. But most often, what happens is that belief has somehow changed the way you uh, went about doing your job, 
And then they fired you for how you were doing your job, not <laughs> the belief. What led you here? What was the idea? Yeah. What what idea do you Build have that separates us. you from from say Tim Jennings? Like you can you can include like your upbringing, your your journey to this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting because it's a, it's somewhat of a difficult question for me to answer because it 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 really is the the I guess the shortest answer is my belief in religious freedom actually led me to this point. Interesting. So. So I, you know, I grew up, uh, as I said, I think earlier, I don't know if people were here and heard me. I I grew up uh, as I'm essentially a lifelong Adventist, baptized into the Adventist church uh, before before the age of 10. I think the actual age is eight, Um, you know, and other than, you know, a period in college where I looked into other faiths, I've never not been an Adventist. So your parents both Adventist, your community Adventist. I grew up in a, I went to an Adventist school until, uh, until fifth grade, I think. Uh, from that point on, uh, I didn't go to another Adventist school until I went uh, and got my, um, my master's in religion in 2008. So I was 28 years old, but, um, but uh, lifelong Adventist. I grew up with um, sort of baked in the notion of, you know, say, uh, uh, same-sex relationships being per se wrong, you know that 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 was something growing up that was said a lot, and I accepted it um, because because it was just my understanding that was that was uh, something that I had never challenged. Uh, my interest in religious liberty probably started in college, and certainly grew while I was at while I was in law school. Um, and law school was where I sort of really formulated these ideas. And that just sort of came from my own sort of personal understanding of what I felt religious liberty religious liberty meant and religious freedom should be. Now, obviously, part of that is because I am a religious minority. Adventism is a religious minority. So it is a group that um, has changed Supreme Court law in order to protect our particular rights as as a religious minority, to be able to live the the uh, in accordance with our beliefs, so um, I sort of was someone who believed in expansive religious freedom, and eventually, at some point, I had to, and because I and because I believed in that, I started with. Uh, sort of a pro-choice position that came from religious freedom. Like if my religious freedom says that I think that a fetus is a life, you then have to have the religious freedom to say that it's not. Right. Okay. You you know, like um, because the religious freedom that allows me to have my belief about, uh, about a fetus has to then be expansive enough to have people feel differently. That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, yeah I've never yeah. normally oh, it's it's only used as as the one side, but you're kind of saying it's two sides of the same coin. If yeah. I'm gonna if I'm gonna use religious freedom as an argument to force my opinion, then I have to realize that it's under the same protections that you can have the exact opposite. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, now, abortion is a little bit is a little bit of a tricky issue. I don't want to get in the weeds on it, but, but yeah, the, maybe next the, time. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> but. but 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 the but the end but the end point for me was if I have a particular belief because of my religion, 
I have to be willing to say that other people can have the opposite belief yeah. and be able to live that belief. So I then said, um, you know, same sex marriage. If I'm someone who believes that that is not biblical, I have to allow for other people to believe that it is and and say that this stems from my faith. And so, and my argument, by the way, still is that so long as a church is not being forced to conduct a same-sex wedding, like that church has to have the freedom to say, those are weddings that we don't do, we right? Um, but, but you shouldn't outlaw the practice for society because there are churches that believe that it's not valid. Wouldn't that be the same though? as the cake example like if you're going to force a baker to bake a cake why wouldn't you force a church to marry a couple because we do have religious freedom we don't have cake baking freedom so that's where you draw the line you say the church is an institution it's identity is up with that yes the church is an institution because of its religious beliefs can discriminate and they do yeah and as much as that pains me I understand that that, that, that that is their right as a church. The problem then becomes when the church or when its parishioners are engaging with the society as a whole. So the baker can't put up his shop in town, hold itself out as someone who does services for the community, yeah. and then not serve people in that community who come to be served. Yeah. So, but the church can say, we are an insular institution. We have our own rules. Those rules are protected by our government. As such, we don't do those types of of weddings because weddings for us as a church are more than just societal contractual arrangements. They're also spiritual processes. Mm. Um, You're drawing this line around the institution itself. You know, it's like... Religious freedoms exist here, but not here. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's a and and that's a difficult thing. And I realize that there are religious liberty scholars who disagree with me about that, yeah. who say that the parishioner should be able to use their religious freedom wherever they find themselves. Yeah. Mm, and you can see where that how that would make that argument. Like I can see it being like, well, if the church is a group of people, yeah. then that group of people should enact the church's beliefs. Wherever they are, I I do see potentially what oh, they would absolutely. be saying. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think the argument is without merit. I just think it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You can understand it. Yeah. Okay. So what's what's the outcome then? Like, if it's okay, if you're saying it's okay to put some of these boundaries in and on religious freedoms, on religious freedoms, like what is the what is the solution to the problem that you're bumping up against here then? Like, do you have any idea yeah. of what it might look like? Yeah, this is a this is a great that that is a great question because to be honest with you, I don't have an answer right. to that question. Right. Um. Uh, it is it is a zero sum game to me. Right. Um. In, in that you know, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. It is a zero sum game to me. It is the idea that hey, in order for us to get along as a multicultural. Um, uh, a society of diverse ideologies, we have to sacrifice. Um, And the people who are, the people who have 
the most, I don't want to keep using the word privilege because I know sometimes privilege is a word that, that, that gets people's ire up. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> the, 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 the people who enjoy the most freedom are the people who are going to have to give freedoms away because those freedoms most often bump up against other people's oppression. Like your ability to walk through the world is often at the expense of somebody else or can be. And when it is, and when we find that it is, we might have to curtail your ability to walk through the world, not your ability to walk through the world, but how you walk through the world. And here's the point that I, and before, before we move on, here's the point that I want to make is that those oppressed people have been changing the way that they walk through the world for your benefit for a long time. It, it isn't that all of a sudden you have to do something that nobody else is doing. Like the oppressed groups have been walking differently yeah. forever. To try and fit into the society. Wow, you've just you've just expanded my mind. This <laughs> yeah. happens every time I talk to somebody because it's a perspective shift. And this is what I find very interesting yeah. is that hidden within the assumption of, hey, you don't take my religious freedoms. Don't change is the, me. Yeah. Is the antagonism of how I'm treating you. I'm approaching you as if you're someone who's going to take from me yeah. and you must be hostile and you must want to hurt me. But yeah. you've just painted a really beautiful picture there that says, no, no, that person that seems to be taking, and maybe they are taking, but you're saying this person has served you and your way of walking through the for world so long. for so long, yeah. you could almost reframe it and say, don't you want to help that person now? Live a bit like easier. live a bit. It's, yeah. I don't know if that, if anyone can see what I'm kind of trying I, to express I can there. understand what you're saying. It's yeah. just, it completely yeah. shifts it. And it's like that person, it's not, don't take my religious freedoms yeah. because if someone's not hostile to you, they're asking, Yeah, they're asking, they might not actually be taking. Yeah. And it's not even so much about taking. It sounds to me like Jason's sort of saying that all he's asking is that people, when you're in a position of, you know, power, so to speak. Yeah. Enjoying more freedom. Yeah. To just observe that other side and say, okay, so this is how they have to move it through the world to fit into mm. my sort of society and what he's asking is that we think about uh, what jason's asking is that we think about what that oppressed person Mm. has to change in their life to to fit into that same society would that be right that's that's the exact thing that i'm trying to say because the the oppressed uh, the the, as, as we've been sort of using this analogy of walking through the world it's like imagine in order for you to walk with your back with you know for you to walk straight up Mm-hmm. everybody else has to walk bent over. Right, yeah. So now when the people who are walking bent over come to you who's walking straight and say, hey, walk a little bit like this so I can walk a little bit like this. Yeah. <laughs> to describe for yeah, the listeners. For the podcast. <laughs> for the podcast, he's gone uh, a 90-degree angle and a 45-degree <laughs> yeah. angle. And when the guy at the 90-degree, like upright angle, comes down 10 degrees, yeah. the other person can come up 10 degrees. Yeah. So it's a slightly They're better both angle for both. Still. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for the person who's been walking straight, that's going to feel like something's being taken from them. Why do I have to walk bent over? A little anecdote that we had in our in our political system recently 
there was um, our prime minister was giving a speech around Women's Day, um, like International Women's Day, and um, not the magazine, no, <laughs> the yeah. beloved magazine. He Woman's and Day. he sort of said, you know, it's fine, it's great that um, it, that women are starting to you know be more employed and all that sort of stuff, and we're starting to get a lot more equality. But we just hope that it's not at the expense of men. And it was just right. like there was a whole there was like everyone sort of butted up against him. He's like, hold on a minute. What you're saying is that men don't have to give anything away. Yeah. <laughs> whereas, whereas, yeah, Jason is saying that like it You're will going cost. To, it, will it will cost. cost. Yeah. And why wouldn't you have to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to, and and it should. Rights are somewhat of a zero sum game, yeah. and they have to be because we're in society with each other. Right. Yeah. yeah. We will affect other people. Right. So what we do is going to affect other people. Yeah. If we're going to increase rights for women, it means that in the places where they bump heads with men, yeah. men will occasionally lose something as yeah, a group. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, it's the, and it's the same thing with any other group that has had to deal with discrimination or oppression of some sort, whether we're talking about race, whether we're talking about sexual orientation. Like the, the, the issue is not... And by the way, I realize, as I said way, way back when we were talking about the Trump piece, I realize that I come to this position because I'm an oppressed group. Yeah. Like I'm a member of an oppressed group. So I, I, I realize that I see this more readily yeah. because, of, because of my own position in the it. world. Yeah. Because I live it. But then I have to think about it when it comes to questions of gender. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because, I, because I'm a man. Right. Yeah. So so then I have to think about it vis-a-vis -vis the Christian and the atheist in America. Yeah. I have to think about it um uh when when we're dealing with um, heterosexual yeah. versus yeah. We're, when we're yeah. dealing so with sexuality. You may, you may already be talking about this. I just want to once again try my very best to be the voice of the person bristling when they're hearing you talk. Yeah. And Absolutely. that person will Please. be saying, well, aren't you just playing identity politics? Aren't we just yeah. saying who's more oppressed? Like, can't we just, can't I just as a white person treat you as a black person equally and yeah. a, a gay person I, equally? I'm colorblind. I'm, I'm colorblind. What do you stuff. make of those yeah. uh, points that might be uh, thrown to you? So, so there are two. So there are two points that I that I that I would make about that. Um, there's always a default setting. So when, whenever whenever you say I don't want to think about this, yes, we're going to. What that means is the the person who is in that privileged position just gets to live their life. They continue to get to walk straight while everybody else is bent over. Right. Right. Yeah. Like because if we're not addressing it. If we're not addressing it, then all that means is whatever historically has been happening will continue to happen. Everybody's playing identity politics. Right. It's just that white identity politics is just called politics. Oh, oh, yeah. That's, that's going to be could, a snippet on Instagram. You could tweet that's, that too. That's a very good one. <laughs> so, so <laughs> you know, there there is a default setting that we all have within a particular society. American default setting is white. It's male. It's right. Christian. It's okay. heterosexual. Yeah. You know, so so to say we don't want to address these things means that we're just going to continue to ignore the yeah. ways that oppressed that those oppressed groups have to move through the world. Yeah. And then the second and then the second thing that I would say to that is I want you to see my color. 
To oh. say you don't see my color is to say you don't see me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, like I am this. You yes. can't. You can't. You can't ignore the packaging. Like, right. I am. So, but you feel that part of your um, your personness, yeah. your is, existence, yeah, is part is it tied cannot with your skin be color. detached. Yeah, and because which and it, it sounds silly to say because of course it can't be detached. Yeah. but that's almost what that statement of. I'm colorblind is saying, yeah. you're saying there's no such thing as colorblind. Yeah. What they mean is I want to continue being in my bubble, bubble, yeah. my yeah. more free bubble than yeah. you. So, so for example, my blackness is number one, a defining characteristic of who I am and how I see the world. It also puts me in a stream of history that I care about. What do you think? What do you think people lose when they when they have that point of view? Like, what what are they missing out of your existence when they choose to ignore your skin color, for example, or try to? Yeah. Well, well, well the first thing that they're, that they're ignoring, and I think this is purposeful, is that they're ignoring the the history and the struggle that allows me to exist in the world the way that I do. Right. Okay. They want to avoid the thinking about these tough things because to to because to see my color is to realize that every black man isn't walking around as a college graduate and there are reasons and there are reasons that are tied to their blackness because of that okay there aren't a bunch of black people walking around harvard law graduates and there's a reason for that there aren't there aren't a bunch of um, black people who are walking around with PhDs and master's degrees. And, and there, there are reasons for that. And there's a history that comes behind that. There's a struggle that comes behind that. Yeah. And to say, I don't want to see your blackness means that you don't care about how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they don't care about you. That's yeah. what you're saying. It's yeah. not right. Yeah. Well, yeah. At the end of the day, you don't care about me. You don't care about my history. You only want to take me as I am right now. Except for that, I'm not just as I am right now. I'm an amalgamation of my experiences, which are tied to who I am as a person. One of our uh, live listeners just said, "To ignore my color is to ignore my entire experience." Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds right. like what you're saying. And 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 by the way, and by the way, that's also true for white people. Except for that, for many white people, that experience has also been an experience of privilege. Okay. That history is also an experience of privilege, and to open yourself up to the idea, yeah. as a white person, yeah. that my history comes with struggle is to open up open yourself to the idea that your history comes with a lack of that struggle and so and so so when i so when i talk about white privilege uh with white people who say well i don't feel like i'm privileged you know i grew up poor or i grew up on the wrong side of the tracks or i grew up you know in some way that doesn't make me feel like i have an advantage yeah. uh what i say to them is White privilege is not about what you had to overcome. It's about what you never had to consider. Yeah, okay. Okay, so white privilege is about encountering something that's previously been invisible to you. Yeah. Right. The, The, or let me put it this way, understanding your white privilege is about seeing something that you didn't see before. 
And it's about seeing and it's about seeing the way that race holds black people back. Not how not necessarily how race gives you an advantage, because it doesn't give every white person an advantage. It does give some people white people an advantage, but it doesn't give every white person an advantage. But what it does do is it impedes every black person. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. the society in which it operates is operating with a different set of assumptions where the black person seems to be always swimming against the current, so to speak, because the, right. the system right. is operating differently. And so if I, as a white person, thrive in this system, I don't even have to think yeah, about it because I'm going issue. with the current. Yeah. But if you're continuing right. swimming against that current, you're like, I can feel this happening all the time. So what, yeah. what, but what would you say to somebody, um, and again, just to like, I'm trying to think of what, what might be a counter-argument to that. Yeah. Um, what would you say to somebody who said, well, I'm not a racist. I don't do, like, I don't do those sorts of things. So like, you I, hear a, I hear a common pushback with the, with the privilege thing. Like, if you bring up that, like, you, didn't, you, you hesitated to use it because you know how it might trigger people and set a different set of assumptions off in their mind. But when, when people say, no, no, because you're white, you do have a different set of privileges yeah. and lets me get in the head of a white person, oh, it's going to be pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they, might be, <laughs> they might be like, um, like, well, it's not my fault. Like, should I feel guilty? Like, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, like, and maybe, I, it, maybe I just feel yeah. attacked because of that because yeah. I might... I'm trying to be a good person and all you're doing is making me feel guilty. Or, yeah, yeah. Helping. How would you respond to that reaction? So, so there, are, there are a couple of things. Um, man, there are a lot of places I could go with this. Okay. <laughs> um, what I would say to that white person is, I'm not saying something is your fault. Okay. I'm, I'm, but I am saying you can have a hand in fixing it. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, and, and there are tons of situations that we can think of where something isn't someone's fault, but they didn't make the situation better. You know, like, so, so, so I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming you because once again, as I was saying, there's a default setting to society. So much of this stuff is already baked in. You don't have to do anything to take advantage of our white privilege. It walks with you um, silently. You know, you don't have to do anything. But the question is, are you going to help those people who are swimming against that current in any way, shape, or form. Now, and that's where the and that's where the colorblind and that's where the colorblind thing becomes um, you know, for, for me personally hurtful because what it really is saying is I don't want to help you. Yeah, right. Like, right. So that's how you, you know, hear that. Yeah, yeah. Because you hear yeah, I don't yeah. want to help you. You 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 aren't actually suffering enough because I don't see you as a different color. So you're not actually right. suffering enough for me to want to help you. Uh, one of the things to bring it back to Trump, um, one of the things that really sort of irks me is th is uh, the the many many white people who want to tell me that Trump is not a racist, right. um, which by the way he is. News <laughs> flash. And, uh, <laughs> and and what I said in response one time is when you say that to me, what you're telling me is I can't tell that I can't tell the difference between a boot on my neck and me choking myself. Oh, like, you, yeah. like you're, you're saying to me, Jason, you're an idiot. That person's not a racist. No, yeah. no, I think I got a pretty good judge on who racists are. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and if I'm saying to you, and, and if you go back and you look at my history in the Spectrum blog, um, you'll see I've been trying to attack this racism question in, in several different points, sometimes using Trump, sometimes not. 
and basically saying to people, hey, you know, I'm a black person. Uh, now, in the religious setting, I'm a black person. I'm also your brother in Christ. Believe me. Yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. a really good, potent way of of putting it. Yeah. You 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 would be in a different like like in politically, you'd be oppositional. Say, I'm a black person. I'd like to not have the boot on my neck. I'd like to stand up a bit straighter. Can you, the person who can stand tall, come down a little bit and help me? Yeah. And normally that's an oppositional thing. But now when you bring religion into it, you're like, we are brothers. Yeah. Can you help me? Yeah. 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 And and. And so to have white Adventists, white Christians say this stuff to me, it's particularly hurtful because we're supposed to be family. Yeah. And you hear them saying, like, well, I don't believe you, Jason, I don't believe you. Yeah. That's what you hear them yeah, saying. Yeah, Jason, I don't believe you. And, mm. and one time I even said, I have one sister. And I said, you know, if I went to my sister and I said, yo, that person is stepping on my neck, my sister wouldn't go, no, nah, you're wrong. Uh, like my sister would yeah. go attack that person and then ask questions later. That's how we roll because we're siblings. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. And, and, and vice versa. Um, and vice versa. If my sister said to me, and this has happened um, when we were much younger, uh, you know, this person's bothering me, even though my sister's two years older than me. I'm, you and me got a problem. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you and me got a problem. Like, before you even have a conversation, you're already going into bat for her, like... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not checking my sister now. Yeah. Maybe my sister's wrong, but my first step is not to go. You know what? My sister's wrong. You know, I'm not even going to lift a finger to help her because you know she clearly doesn't know what she's talking about. Like that's not the way that that's not the way that 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 I operate with my family. You encounter the assumption of of people just not believing you. They assume like ah. He's oversensitive or he's over this, whereas you're saying, no, no, if, if we really had this relationship of brothers in Christ and the same religious family, it would look a little bit different. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would look a little bit different. Um, and, and so that's that's sort of that's one of the places that I sort of want to go from a societal level. You would also like to think that that would work and something that we know that it doesn't. Uh, but I do think religion puts a layer on top of it that I think should change the way that we think about this. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, I've found that it doesn't, uh, that, that, we, that we still find ourselves in our camp separated from each other, even though we're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And so to bring this full circle round to the clickbait we began with, where you said Trump and Christians, <laughs> a fatal attraction. Is that the fatal attraction you're talking about where it's this rift between you identifying as one family? It's and this it sort of cements the... The separateness. The separation. The us versus them. Yeah. Is that something you're talking about or what else are you... It, 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 it isn't, but it could be. It's, that's really not what I'm thinking about when I think about the fatal attraction of 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 this thing with Trump. And in fact, I wrote something in Spectrum that came out yesterday that actually made this point really strongly as I was dealing with sort of Trump's response to, to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and it's this, the fatal attraction for Christianity is that we are harming our own purpose by aligning ourselves with this person. We are keeping people we are keeping people out of the family of God 
by attracting ourselves to by attracting ourselves to this person, to this person in this position at this particular time. And that runs counter to what the goal of the Christian church is supposed to be. The goal of the Christian church is supposed to be opening up to people, opening up to people with a message of love, with a message of 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 a way to live a better life, um, a way to view the world that treats people more equally, that treats people like family, that uh, binds us together in a way that the Bible says is stronger than blood. Right. Like that, that is what the Christian church is supposed to be doing. The great commission, as we call it, is to add people to this family. Yeah, right. So you're sort of saying that the more oxygen and the more power you give to a figure like Donald Trump by supporting him and his outlandish claims and all those sorts of things, that power, that oxygen actually detracts further away from the Christian like doctrinal miss- mission, mission, essentially. Which is also what yeah. Jennings outlined in his whole, and I'd love to have him on to love to have him chat and maybe counter Clarify. and prevent, yeah. uh, present a different perspective because I'm sure he's got some thoughtful different perspectives to offer. But he, the thesis in his article kind of said, if my religious freedoms are kept more intact, because maybe he's talking about something completely different. I don't know. But he's saying, if my religious freedoms are kept intact, then me as a Christian can continue my mission unimpeded to save people and help people. And you're saying, if that's your mission, Donald Trump will only harm your cause. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because, and, and this is something that we said very early on. If I'm a black person who sees Donald Trump as a racist, and by the way, I do, and there's plenty of evidence for that. <laughs> Why would I want to join with you? Yeah, mm. yeah. He, do- he, he doesn't support you as an individual, so why would you pin your colors? Why would I join with people? Yeah, yeah, why would I join with people who are following behind him? If, if I'm a woman and I see Donald Trump as a misogynist, and by the way, he is, and there's tons of evidence for that. <laughs> Why would I then, as a woman, join a conservative evangelical Christian church right. that is following behind a guy who has said the things about women that he said? If I'm a, if I'm a same, if if I'm a, if I'm a member of the LGBTQ community, and I think that Donald Trump is homophobic, and by the way, he is, and there's tons of evidence for that. Why would I join a group of people who go, that is our standard bearer in society? I'm not. And so what you're doing is you're actually keeping people out of the family of God. Even as even as Trump may be increasing your ability to bring people in. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't really, what you're saying doesn't really matter about, uh, you know, what high court judges he appoints, what governors he helps fund, what, like, all of that other stuff is still. Just the symbol is Trump as a person. Yeah. Because you are talking about the symbol of Trump. Maybe Jennings is talking about, I don't know, legislation. That'd be an interesting discussion to have. But you're just talking about the symbol. By the way, Interrupt. I would say I could also make this fight on a legislative. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. But okay. for what you're talking about now, yes, what you're talking about now, and probably yes, includes those policies. Yeah. Is that the symbol of Trump is 
if the symbol of Jesus is someone who is inclusive, who is accepting of the tax collector, the widow, the orphan, yeah. the leper, all these different yeah. oppressed people in society, if that is your, if that's who you have in front and say, I follow this man and here's what he stands for, yeah. for someone to say, I'm not fussed about Trump, because let's be honest, he didn't really say I'm for him. He said, I'm not too right. worried. Yeah. Um, but for right. someone to say that, you're saying that even that sends the message of anti-Christ. There is the Christ, there is Jesus who stands for all of these things, the oppressed, the low, and then there is a man that seems to exclude them, vilify them, scapegoat them, and doesn't help them. And you're saying that that would be the exact opposite of what a Christian lives to 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 exist and their whole purpose of in life being. Yeah. Absolutely. But I want to go back and talk about something that you that you mentioned, because I think you're absolutely right. Tim Jennings does not necessarily say I am in line with Trump. I am a super yes. Trump supporter. I believe in everything he does. Yeah. He says, I, as you said, he's like, I am not bothered by Trump. Yes. Right. Um, but, but then you that means are you're not. But I am. Yeah. And I'm your brother. Yeah. But also when you say that you're not bothered by Trump, that means you're not bothered by the ways he harms me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a really yeah. personal. Bringing that to that really personal yeah. level, saying if I am your brother, yeah. does this not bother me? Because yeah. he may be right. He probably doesn't. To be honest, he probably actually no. I'm pretty involved in economics. He'd probably bother me with those <laughs> with those stances there. But but as like a, a a white person, it's like yeah, like it's fine. Like he doesn't bother me. But if once again the analogy. You know, that's yeah. not that's yeah. not a big deal. He's just talking. You guys take him too seriously. Yo, man, that stuff is hurtful. And you yeah. and, 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 and I want to believe you as my brother and I want to say, you know what? If he if, if that's harming that. you, yeah. I'm gonna say it's now harming me because yeah. it's harming you. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's what I would want. Much in the same and, and by the way, I turn this stuff on myself all the time in the sense that I realize that I also hope that I am in that, as we said before, I am in those spaces when it comes to my gender, when it comes to my sexuality. And that's how, to get back to a question that we never sort of fully answered, that's how I ended up, that, that's how I ended up sort of becoming, um, you know, becoming a feminist, becoming someone who supports the LGBTQ community. Because I was like, if, if, if I'm saying this all about my blackness, then... How can I look at a woman and go, oh, no, that's not a big deal? Yeah. That problem's not big enough to to solve. Yeah. The thing that you're talking about isn't a big deal to me. Or to go to the LGBTQ community and say, the things that you're talking about, that's not a big deal to me. I'm doing the same thing to them. Yeah. That, you're that I'm done asking to you. white people <laughs> not to do to me. Yeah. Right. So for you to for you to say like this Me Too movement, ah, eh, doesn't really do anything for me. It doesn't bother me. Would be analogous to what you're talking about there to say, well, sure, I'm not the one being sexually assaulted, but if my sister is, now it's going to bother me. Yeah. No, I not, that means I got to have a problem with it. Yes. Yeah. It, right. it means I got to have a problem with if it. If we are all because connected. that. Because if we're all connected, so and and that is something, and then and then it becomes easier to say, you know what? I don't believe that just for my sister in Christ. I believe that for all of humanity. Mm-hmm. My brother in Islam, so now, my sister right. in Buddhism. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It doesn't have to be just. Well, we're like family, so I care about you. You know, like yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's easy to then actualize that 
from just a church position to a position of all of humanity, because then what do I what do I know? At least as I understand the world and the way it works, we are all God's children. We are all created by this infinite being that I say that I worship and follow and want to be like. So if if I think that God cares about my oppression, and if I think that God cares about the oppression of the other people in my faith group, then that means I have to care about the oppression of all the people outside of that group because, because God asked me to witness to them. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. witnessing for you is setting free, is doing what you can yeah. to help make to sure people get the same freedoms that yeah. maybe you get or the ones that you had to fight for. Exactly. It is about expanding their freedom. I think this is actually the last line of my Trump piece. It's about expanding that freedom and then introducing them to the God who made that freedom possible. Well, on that yeah, fortuitous <laughs> ending of the article and the conversation. Yeah. Wow. If is there anything you want to kind of add or wrap have up? Have we or, missed something that you really need to the world to hear sort of thing? I, I mean, look, right now it is twelve forty two on the <laughs> east coast of the United States. Um We've and and I'll tell you, we could talk for four more hours we, and not exhaust yes, it. Yeah. So so if the question so if the question is, did we miss something? But 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 I think I think we've hit all the high points. I I couldn't I couldn't sit here and say, okay, here's the one thing that I gotta say. I feel yeah, like cool. I feel yeah, like awesome. we've got. We've got that. So it just sounds like you need to come back on the yeah, show we'll one day to, and explore to. more and of those I was, things. I was, I was about to say, what it sounds like is we can do another session at some time. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's 1242. It's 1242 and I'm just waking up, gentlemen. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so let's, let's, let's do this again sometime. I really, yeah. I really appreciate well, yeah, this opportunity. Jason. Thank you. Thank to you. All of you to all of you for, for, for bringing this to my doorstep. I'm, I'm grateful. It yeah. has been an awesome conversation. Thanks for being in the spirit of, you know, you put an idea out there, yeah. but that's not the end of it. And yeah. I hope we can do that with Jennings. Hopefully yeah. he comes on the show and we can humanize him as well and get a bit of his background. If you're listening and you're like just, you know, you know, clapping your hands and agreeing with everything. Yeah, great. Yeah. But if you're listening and you're not agreeing with everything, well, that's okay too. Yeah. Hopefully this conversation has given you a bit of an insight into yeah. how Jason sees the world, how he moves through the world, yeah. and how even if you hold a different opinion completely, can you understand how he got there? Because I think His I can. Experience, yeah. I think yeah, I think oh, after, definitely. I think after this conversation, hopefully that's what it's done. So if you have any questions, yeah. you'd like to ask Jason a question, you can connect with him on Instagram. It's, it'll be linked in ours. You yeah. can email us on ideasdigest at gmail.com. Yeah. You can hit us up in the direct messages. Yeah. And... Stay tuned on our Instagram because we'll be interviewing as many people as we can. It'll be live so we can get involved and get some questions from you. I don't know if we had too many questions sent through. We'll have a quick scroll. But while Connor and scrolling, I'll just take the time to thank you again, Jason. No, so. it, it, it was it was my pleasure, and I, you know, um, I'm just grateful to you guys for an, another platform. You know, also. Yeah. The, the thought process is always, as you said, 
the ideas that we put out in the world don't stop when we put them out. They yeah. continue in us and they yeah. continue in others. And anytime I get an opportunity to express those ideas somewhere, um, it's a place I'm going to want to be. And, and and I'm grateful to the two of you for creating a platform. I love the idea of the of, of the podcast and what you guys are trying to do. Um, and, and I'll be happy to come back anytime. We'd love to have you back. So thanks for joining us on the live Instagram. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah. Stay tuned and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you.